Thank you for hitting that play button. We will try to not get you to regret it. Uh, we're Rochelle and Carter here Howdy, with you. Howdy, y'all. And there they go. And there Are you is, happy? I Now we can just talk amongst ourselves for the rest of this because nobody's something. listening. I was trying something. Well, what are you doing this weekend? I... Are you for real? You want to know? Uh, what they they clearly stopped. I mean, they're not listening anymore. Uh, no, this is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. We appreciate you. Yes, hanging out and maybe finding more of um, encouragement, blogs, resources, Bible reading plans, other podcasts at HopeOnDemand.com. It's the annoying voice, isn't it? It was the annoying, like, the it's yeah. the timber of the voice. Yes. It's not even the howdy, y'all. It was the howdy. You did it again. Sounds like a chicken. You did it. Yes, yes. That's, yeah. You do a good chicken. I do a great chicken. That's right. I just don't do a great howdy, y'all. No, no, you don't. All no. right, well, that, that's established, and we've taken a lot of time over it. This is, uh, fortunately, less than a minute. I'm, <laughs> I'm happy about that. Uh, this is a podcast where we get together, we just talk weekly on what we're going through spiritually, whether that be through a, a specific sit-down, quiet time reading the Bible, mm-hmm. whether it be just learning from a, a friend or you know another podcast or what a preacher. from our pastor, yeah. Or life, <laughs> just sure. learning from life. So Yeah, yeah you want, should I just go into it? Just go. So there's this part in the book of Judges that gets reiterated, uh, saying, hey, but at this time, Israel had no king. And so people just did what they thought was right in their own eyes. And it, it it's the very last passage of the book as well. So it's in the middle of the book. So it's kind of like a reminder. By the way, remember, Israel had no king. Everybody's doing what they thought was the right thing yeah. in their own eyes with their, quote, best judgment. And the further you get in, we mentioned this on the last podcast, the further you get into judges, it just gets worse from worse to worse to worse. Mm. And uh, at the very end, I love how it closes. It's like, again, Israel had no king. (laughs) And they all just did what they thought was right in their own eyes. But it got me thinking because in the next book, I'm in Ruth now. And clearly there are people of integrity, of spiritual integrity, that are in this story of Ruth. And so I'm like, well, Lord, clearly there are men and women of valor and integrity Throughout this timeline, yeah. we're just not necessarily reading about them. So it it was a name that popped up in the book of Judges. His name is Phineas. He was uh, the grandson of the priest Aaron, the uh, the brother of Moses. And the brother of Ferb as well, right? <laughs> and there was a platypus. Phineas, and yes. Um, <laughs> you're so young. I don't think I've ever watched an episode of Phineas. I have not. I was a little old for it, yeah. Uh, but anyway, anyway, Phineas was a priest. He is mentioned in the book of Judges. He is in the place of worship called Shiloh, um, which you can read about later in uh, the story of Samuel. When the priest Eli is there at Shiloh, you hear about that place. But anyway, it's also a great place that served biscuits in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I remember eating there biscuits and gravy. Shiloh. Oh, okay. On a side note. put that on my food blog. I don't know that they serve biscuits and gravy in Shiloh in Israel or even if it's called that anymore. The point being... um, Phineas was, I think, one of the good guys. In fact, it was Phineas's actions that led to God not destroying the people of Israel at one point, because it was one of those cases where God states over and over again, please don't do thus and so. And then the people did thus and so. And so Phineas, he took matters into his own hands at one point. He's like, you know what? I'm destroying the people that did the thus and so, because God's going to take all of us out Mm. if these few aren't taken out. And God blesses what Phineas is like, thank you. Thank you for obeying. So we read about this guy in the book of Judges, and he's one of the people that is gone to, sought out for his wisdom and talking to God 
So you see right there, there's at least one, it feels like. Mm -hmm. And it got me thinking about the power of one. When I was a younger person and I thought that God was calling me to become an actress, I mean, that's what I went to school for. I got my theater degree and I'm like, I'm going to go into Hollywood and I'm going to, I'm going to do things for Jesus. And that's me thinking that I can take what is already incredibly broken down into many different silos of faiths or non-faiths. I mean, it's just this massive amount of opinions Mm -hmm. in Hollywood. I'm going to bring everybody up to Jesus's level. Right. With my faith walk. Yeah. That's a pretty arrogant. (laughs) That's an arrogant thought. And now looking back, I'm like, thank you, God, for sparing me. And I've, I've certainly had an opportunity here and there to be able to talk with people who serve in the Hollywood arena and make films that are integrity based films. That's really been cool. Um, So I feel like I've been able to kind of, I don't know, stretch. What would you say? What do you call that? The saying when you're like stretch my legs in that venue. I don't know. That's not even a saying. Um, you're looking at me. I have confusion. no idea what you're trying to say. So expand your horizons. Expand your horizons. Like I was able to sort of try. Oh, oh, uh, work on a new muscle. <sighs> stretch that new muscle. But it wasn't a, even a muscle to begin with. You know what? That's okay. not even the point. I cannot make Hollywood better on my own. Mm. I never thought I could, but I thought, oh, it'll be easy to bring up all these people. No, 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 no. It is easier for a massive amount of people to bring down one person mm. as opposed to one person bringing up everybody else. Yeah. Only Jesus can do that. Right? right. Right. And possibly Jesus through you in some way. But he wasn't calling me to that place at that time anyway. Well, I, so, I, I had similar thoughts and dreams and aspirations. And I think in whatever it is, whether you wanted to be a pro athlete or an astronaut, um, flex that muscle, flex that muscle. OK, I'm done. I still don't really get it. OK. Well, All right. I didn't get to be in the Hollywood movies, but I was able to interview the people who directed and starred in them. Oh, OK. Scratch that thing. itch. Scratch the edge. Oh, okay. Scratch the edge. Okay. Now we've hit it. Now we've hit it. Now oh, I understand. Now the podcast is over. This has been the Anything But oh, Quiet Time podcast. I guess I'll just talk next week. Um, <laughs> here's here's the music. And no, see you later. I was kidding. No, okay. All right. Um, You've had similar aspirations. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, I think in any dream, and then it doesn't happen. I see God sparing me as well in in a lot of things. Kids want to be pro athletes, and then you realize what some of these guys and gals go through, oh, but yeah. some of the horrific things that we've heard about, you know, the NBA or NFL where uh, on the road and you're surrounded by men that are unfaithful to their wives. Yeah. Um, or even just, just Hollywood, you think that, um, you know, yeah, if I'm a good influence, it'll bring people up around me. Uh, and you could see yourself where in an alternate universe, you making it a Hollywood and, and you look at your life personally and are not impressed by your own character. Yeah, I, I guess it depends on where you are spiritually, too. And I could see myself have have compromised in yeah, that setting to get certainly. the next role or the next, you know, level. You get to the, the majors or whatever in, in baseball. That's very um, transparent. Yes. And I, I think that uh, even somebody like Chris Pratt, mm-hmm. who is, you know, from what we see him professing yeah. and and living personally, uh, not that mistakes haven't been made, but um, he seems to be all in with Jesus. Yeah. And even he has not brought people up around him where 
all of a sudden, you know, the cast of Parks and Recreation are not all Christians now. Right. Right. Or right. Uh, he's still in movies that have risque, risque content. Um, even on top of that, where because he's gone to church, he's been persecuted sure. uh, in a in a Twitter way. But, you know, he's been very called out on several canceled things. Canceled in certain Canceled ways. in some ways. Yeah. And so you you think where all of these dreams and aspirations and your own vision in your own head and often... I think in some ways God protects us from that when we don't achieve that dream. Exactly. Uh, or at least at that time. Sure. You know, so and just to kind of go back a little bit with Chris Pratt, it's interesting, though, even though he may not have left the, the set of Parks and Rec, um, saving the entire cast, which I think he may have stepped deeply a little bit further into his faith. Kind of after at the end of that. When his little one was um, not doing well. He mm-hmm. he very openly shared about his prayer time and just begging God. Mm-hmm. And so it reconnected him in his faith with the Lord um, after his little guy's circumstances took place, and he was very open about that. But it is fascinating that uh, when he was getting lamb-blasted for whatever, and at the moment people were trying to cancel him back, I think it was a couple years ago was when it started, um, the cast of the Avengers came around him and said, look, they, and they certainly do not believe necessarily what the, what Chris professes to believe in Jesus Christ. I don't know what all of their belief systems are, but they certainly came up and said that you cannot find a more decent fellow. Yeah. And he is just as kind on set and uh, offset as he is on screen. Um, this guy genuinely believes in Jesus. Leave him alone. And that's from some very outspoken individuals who are very open with their own political beliefs, uh, who may not see things conservatively at all. You know, I I think you'll you you will, because I always learn this in youth group. And I think there's a there's an element of truth to it. Um, I think it is just true. If you walk what you talk, you'll get respected for it in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways. And clearly he's walking enough what he talks on set where he's he's respected for uh you know, uh, practicing what he preaches. Sure. Um, but I think even in the best circumstances, potentially him, maybe he is the best example of actually living it out. And, and yet, uh, the people around him are not believers. And that is where I have really, I kind of thought whether you take even dreams and aspirations out of it, even in just what reality is. Mm -hmm. And you, you hope that you get to save all these people especially when you're raised in church and it's sure. like, man, you, you need to to share the gospel and have all these people save you or get saved. And, and I have really, the pressure's come off the last couple of years when I've realized it's God's sovereignty. Yes. And that it's not our job to save anyone. And so you even look at Chris Pratt with that and that those guys are still not, those guys around him are still not Christians. It's because God is the one that does the work. I think the maturity of that where you what you just said is one of the major reasons why God closed the door. I had it seemed an opportunity to go and be somebody's gopher, somebody's assistant. But it was an open door opportunity to Hollywood. And that door was never fully opened. Mm. And I think it was God's protection because I was not an immature place straight out of college, even though I had a. a relationship with Jesus and I had all of my life. Um, I think you have those aspirations and sometimes you, like you said, you go in you, spiritual guns blazing. You're going to be like, I'm going to do this for Jesus. And, and you're exactly right. It's, it's not about me doing anything for him. It's me standing um, as the catalyst 
so that he can pour through us to others to touch other people's lives. And so if my mindset is off and I'm not aligned with what God wants to do, he can't pour through that. And I'm going to be dragged down. And so I know that the power of one is obviously, it is a a possible thing for people. I don't know if I said that at the beginning of the, I think I started to go there, but um, it's easier to be drugged down than it is to raise other people up. Certainly. Yes. However, if I'm the one and I'm called in the midst of a devastated Hollywood, and I know that I'm there because God has called me there, he's appointed me, and I continue to stay aligned with him, he's going to pour through no matter what I uh, people might say is successful. No matter, Rochelle wasn't successful. Did God deem it successful for me to be there so he could pour through it? Then yes, it was successful. And and that's the thing with with open doors, you know, and, and in prayer, seeing it's like, okay, this is what I do, mm-hmm. whether it's a Hollywood actor or whether it's, you know, working in a cubicle and um, wherever I'm at, honor God. Yeah. And what I'll say just the last part of, about Chris Pratt is it's not his job to save anybody. And that's why those people aren't necessarily Christians. But I'm sure he's planted seeds. Sure. Clearly, you know, they saw his faith, you know, in action. And then it's going to be because it's up to God, God stirring their hearts and then them choosing to accept it or reject it. Mm-hmm. And, and whether it's those actors or it's any of the people in our lives. Um, but I, I did get really good encouragement, especially with, you know, graduation and stuff that occupation. So like you said, maybe getting, feeling like you're called to Hollywood or not knowing what you want to do yeah. after graduation. Um, there, there was a lot of relief for me. I think this is, it's in Luke and I'll, I'll remember it enough, but I can't remember the reference right now, but John the Baptist is baptizing people and telling them to repent because the Messiah yes. is coming. Yes. At this point, I don't think he knows it's Jesus yet. Right. Well, he may. He it was his cousin. He so he might. I don't know. He might have, um, but some of the gospels are a little bit murky with that. Sure. Because, sure. So, so uh people are wanting to change and there's two professions that step forward mm-hmm. and they're they don't have great reputations as professions. Uh there's a Roman soldier, bad guy, and then there is a tax collector, which is a traitor because it's a Jewish person that's working with Rome and stealing from all the Jews. And they, they both say, what should I do? Yeah. And, to have her. Yeah. And he doesn't say change your occupation at all. Uh-huh. He says to the Jew, you need to collect all that you need to collect and nothing more. Mm-hmm. And he says to the uh, Roman guard, treat people how you should treat them. Don't treat them unfairly. And he doesn't say to switch jobs. And so I guess it's like, and there, there's, there's going to be that philosophical theological line somewhere, you know, it's like, okay, I can work at a mall. I could work in Hollywood, but should I work on this type of movie? Mm-hmm. You know, I could work at um, a restaurant, but should I work at a bar? Should I work at a strip club? Like you're going to eventually hit a point where it's like, no, I don't think you should do that at all. <laughs> uh, certainly when the whole point of the business is is evil. Uh, but in a secular job, I think that's that's the, the kind of the thought process has been for quite a while. What's God's will for my life? Mm-hmm. Is this where I'm supposed to be? Was there another path? Where is God calling me to? And you just see kind of wherever you're at, honor God. Yeah. Well, and and they're not all ministry jobs are ministry. Yes, that's very true. You can you're... push yourself into a place where I did not call you to this position. Mm-hmm. So uh, just being aligned with Jesus is so important. And I was listening this morning at our radio show. There's a focus on the family segment that airs before we get on. And just the reminder from this sweet woman, and she was so humble in the way she said it. And the encouragement is always there for people who follow after Jesus to be in his word 
And statistically, I, I guess it's those who, um, especially if they're married, those who pray together consistently, those who read God's word consistently, uh, they are, the divorce rates are lower. Mm. And she said, I, I discovered for my own life, I, I, if I am in his word consistently, five times a week, let's say, if not more, I just, I, I'm better. I'm just a better me. Mm-hmm. I'm so, you know, I'm, I'm closer to the one who I love and want to know more. And that just makes sense. But I do know that my own to day-to-day chores can get in the way of that. My to-do list can get in the way of that. Uh, and th- we're going to have those kinds of days. And I think there's grace for those moments. But I'm convinced more and more for me to be aligned in Christ wherever I am placed or positioned, find myself in position. Um, I, I'm going to be a. I'm going to be better off if my prayer life is strong. If my if I'm reading God's word, I would say reading His word. I'm actually stronger in. I get sidetracked easily in prayer, so we make sure that we have a nightly prayer. And my kids actually do a really great job of kind of like, oh yeah, let's let's have some direction when we pray because I'm I'm very much I see squirrels all the time. So just even talking out, maybe even in the morning, this might be helpful to you. I don't know. But what you've read in God's word and saying, Lord, I was reading this this morning. I was super confused. And that's kind of what I was doing this morning and talking about the power of one. It's like, Lord, there must have been somebody, somebody who carried your torch. Sure. In the midst of judges, because here we are landing in the book of Ruth and there's this family that moves to the land of Moab. They were in Bethlehem area. They were in the Judah area. And they moved to Moab because they were they were struggling with farming and weren't having as much success. So Naomi, her husband, her two sons, they move there. Her husband passes away. Eventually, uh, her sons get married, but they pass away. So it's just her two daughters-in-law and herself. And you may know the story. You may not. But they start back to Bethlehem because there's nothing left for me here. I might as well go back home. And uh, as she's going back home, she realizes, why am I bringing you here? This isn't fair to you. Maybe you can get married again. I, I'm too old. I can't have any more sons for you to marry. What are you going to wait for them until they get old enough for you to marry? It's weird. No, just you should go back home to your families. And so Orpa, one of the daughters-in-law says, are you sure? Because they're like, no, let me go with you. No, go home. But Ruth, Ruth, She's like, please don't make me go. You know what? You can go back to what you believed. Ruth, go back home to your parents. And I felt like Ruth was the, uh, she was like the, a great Old Testament example of what Jesus was talking about when he said, um, if you do not hate your brothers, your sister, your mother, your father, those relationships in your world, if you don't hate them, then you cannot be my disciple. You can't follow me such a weird thing to say, but then you see the story of Ruth. And basically, it's not saying despise the, no, but be ready to leave, to cleave to me. Yeah. You cannot be my disciple. And Ruth is like, I want your God to be my God. I, a Moabite pagan, quote, pagan woman, want your people to be my people. And Naomi's like, okay. And God accepts this, this precious woman. And so the story of Ruth is this amazing story where she goes back. She treats this woman better than any son could treat her, is what um, the the rest of the people in 
Naomi's circle of friends say to her, it's like, you have such a great daughter-in-law. She's better than any son you could have. Look at what she does for you. And eventually God blesses her with a, a marriage, which that gives her security. But also Boaz actually loves her, seemingly loves her, wants to protect her, take care of her. Boaz and Ruth become the great, great grandparents, I think. It's either there's one more great or one less great that of David, King David. Mm. So from a pagan woman's line, because God has received her into his people, yeah. because she has said, okay, nope. I want your God to be my God. It shows God is all about bringing people in. He, It's not about rejection. It's not about your race is better, that race is better. It's about if you say yes to me, my arms are stretched open wide for you. And Ruth is the realization, one of the many of that fact. Yeah. So I love her story. And um, you see that that story clearly, th there's integrity there. And so... There must have been one. There may have been more than one. We do not hear their stories when you read through the book of Judges. But you see that something must have existed for, for there to continue to be a priestly line, for there to continue to be the worshiping of God, even though it may have been broken by the masses of people. There were a few that remained faithful. And even today, I think, you know, we shared that. Um, I, I shared that same line in last uh, the last podcast about everybody did that, which was they thought was right in their own eyes. Um, and that sounds a lot like today. You may feel like you're the only one and don't let what I shared at the very beginning in terms of like, Oh gosh, people are going to bring me down then because I'm the only one. It's easier for me to be brought down than to lift others up. If you are aligned in Christ, you're solid. You are set on a firm foundation. You're not set on aspirations or a pedestal of your own making. You're set on God, and that's that's all you need. And I think the wisdom behind people will bring you down is, I would tell my son that, you know, mm, in the future. Yeah, yeah. What friends do you want to have? Because it's just easier to get into trouble when you have, instead of three yeah. godly kids that hangs out with uh, another kid to help minister mm -hmm. and guide, as opposed to if it was my son, the only one living for Christ and in a yeah. group of friends that aren't doing so hot, aren't, aren't, aren't seeking after God. Yeah. Um, Which I think that's where the equally yoked term, mm. I think that's where it's meant to kind of come into our lives. It's yeah. like, all right, who are we choosing to invest in and with and have, and do life with? I think that's kind of what will help. <laughs> Help us with our alignment with God. I want to stay aligned. So I want, yeah, people around me that are going to help support that. Uh, I liked what you said about Ruth being able to come in and doesn't really matter where she's been yeah. if she's seeking after God. And and so this week, I, I know we hit a little bit on prodigal son last week, but it's just been so good. And Jesus says this in Matthew 11, uh, kind of towards the end of the chapter. Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. And we discussed it 
where the kind of from the perspective of the older brother last week of the prodigal son story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think there's I know there's a lot of people that have grown up where maybe Ruth has grown up and not a Christian home, never done the thing um, too too bad to be saved. And then there's some, I think, that have kind of tasted that, grew up in church or whatever, and then left and have done something so horrible. Mm. Or maybe it's kind of a little bit of both, but there's one specific thing. I have a family member that really thinks that they just don't stand a chance because of this one thing that they've done. And I, I love this encouragement. This person says, I was crying reading the part where the prodigal son rehearses the speech to himself in preparation to approach his dad. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, he he messed up. He's going to yeah. come home and he's going to say, OK, I can say that I've sinned against you and against heaven and uh, I can't, I'm no longer be worthy of being called your son, but I could be an employee. We've all rehearsed some speech in some form or another. Yeah. yeah Especially yeah, yeah. when it comes to our parents yeah, yeah. trying to convince them to, to uh-huh. buy us that car or whatever. But in this case, to buy back just any kind of, you know, three course what is it? Three square meals a day right. or whatever. You... Yeah, that's right. Just a place to survive. Something like that. And yeah. he knows he's not going to get any perks. He's, he's sure of it. Sure. And of course, his dad interrupts him and mm-hmm. and, and says, get the, the the fattest calf and get the robe and get the ring. And my son has returned. And he says, uh, this, this person noticed, he got a hug before he could even start the speech. <laughs> he only said half of it before his father called for a party. Wanderer, stop drafting your speech. And just come home. Come home. Yeah. And I read in the second chapter of Acts this morning when Peter is sharing what's going on because there's this this moment where the followers of Jesus, they've been commanded by Jesus after he ascends, before he ascends into heaven. He said, you know what? You need to wait here in the city um, because I'm going to send the helper. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to help you to go out and share it with everybody. I want you to start in your home. I want you to start where it's close, but then it goes out to the nations, right? I think that's fascinating. My husband even um, helped me with interpretation on that. The other day we were just talking about starting your home mm. and then branching out. Is Are things healthy in your home with your kids, with your wife, with your husband? Uh, I love that. But then Peter and the apostles, uh, the disciples, the apostles, the Holy Spirit comes down and they are enabled to speak in all of the languages of the people that are there in town for Pentecost. It's a harvest celebration. So they're all in from town and, and they're hearing their own native voices and it's incredible. And they're like, what's going on? They're drunk. Peter's like, it's 9 a.m. Somebody from the back shouted, it's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. 9 a.m. No, we're not drunk. This is what's happening. And then he explains what's happening. The guy, Jesus, you've all heard about him. You saw with your own eyes the miracles. You heard the things that he did. And yet you crucified him. So these are people who, if anybody is deserving of hell, it's the people who crucified Jesus Christ, physically crucified. What what can we do? What should we do? And you're thinking, what long list? What speech am I going to have to share? What am I going to have to do? And he says, if you believe and are baptized by the Holy Spirit, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that's it. 
3,000 people that day. Yeah. Baptized in Jesus' name. And then this crazy revival, amazing thing happens. They start sharing food. They start selling things so everybody can have something to taste and eat. And people liked them, they said. They were very likable people, these followers of Jesus. Yeah. I want to be a likable follower of Jesus. You know, I want to be that person that started at home making sure my kids know, have I trained them up in the way that they should go? Um, clearly, something happened like that in the family of Boaz when they had a little boy named Obed. Clearly, something happened in the family of Obed when he had a little boy named Jesse. Clearly, something happened in the family of Jesse when he had a little boy named David who led a nation to great victory and from whose line? Jesus Christ. It, it's remarkable the power of one that you have influence where you are at. And when you are aligned with Christ, it's, in, it's unstoppable because nothing is impossible for God. Yeah. Not my glory, but his glory. That's what brings it to pass. That's good. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us. This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. Uh, come back next week and uh, also catch up on old episodes. There's like 160 something of them now. Binge all you want. Oh, yeah, there's the chicken.